0: Hello everyone, I'm Heather Ward, the SCA's Director of Content Strategy, and you're listening to the SCA Podcast. Today's episode is part of our Expo Lecture Series, dedicated to showcasing a curated selection of the extensive live lectures offered at our Specialty Coffee Expo. Check out the show notes for relevant links and a full transcript of today's lecture. This episode of Expo 2019 Lectures Podcast is supported by Soft Engine Coffee One, powered by SAP. Built upon SAP's business-leading enterprise resource planning solution, SoftEngine Coffee One is designed to quickly and easily take your small to medium coffee company, working at any point along the coffee chain, to the next level of success. Learn more about SoftEngine Coffee One at softengine.com, with special pricing available for SCA members. SoftEngine, the most intelligent way to grow your business. The episode you're about to hear was recorded live at the 2019 Specialty Coffee Expo in Boston. Don't miss next year's lecture series in Portland. Find us on social media or sign up for our monthly newsletter to keep up to date with all of our announcements, including ways to get involved in next year's expo and early bird ticket release. Coffee freshness is one of the core values of Specialty Coffee, but why is preserving the freshness so important? We might strive to maximize coffee's potential to keep its vibrancy as fresh as the day it was roasted, or we could keep coffee fresh to ensure quality and consistency. Regardless of why we want to keep coffee fresh, understanding the fundamentals of freshness and applying them in our daily routine will help to improve our cup of coffee. In this lecture, Samuel Smirk explores the topics of roasted coffee freshness, seen from a scientist's perspective. Two particular fields will be looked at in detail. Chemical freshness or loss of coffee aroma during coffee aging, and physical freshness or degassing, also called outgassing of coffee, a process of gradual gas release after coffee roasting. If you're already familiar with Samuel's work, you will be excited to learn that today's lecture includes his newest findings that haven't yet been released. Samuel Simmerk is a scientific associate at the Zurich University of Applied Sciences in the group of Professor Shahan Yuretsian. He is involved in research projects in collaboration with industry partners and in fundamental research on various topics of coffee, including coffee chemistry, research of coffee aroma using mass spectrometry, online monitoring coffee roasting processes, linking instrumental analysis of coffee aroma to sensory analysis, studying coffee freshness, and degassing of coffee. Samo is actively participating at coffee conferences is one of the co-authors of the SCA Freshness Handbook and Water Handbook, and has contributed to scientific papers and book chapters about coffee science. Also, I will jump in occasionally to help you follow along. Okay, let's dive in.
1: Hello, everybody. So welcome to my talk. Uh, My name is Samo, and uh, today I'm going to be talking about uh, coffee freshness. So I'm a scientist, so this talk will be from a uh, scientific perspective and uh, I'll try to make it uh, as clear as possible. So I work at Zurich University of Applied Sciences uh, with the group of Professor Shahan Yercian. Um, I'll tell you about uh, the group a bit later, but let's go first to to the talk. So what I'm going to be talking today. So when I say coffee freshness, of course, first we need to define what coffee freshness is? What are we actually talking about? Uh, then I'm going to take a look at two different types of uh, coffee freshness. First is what we call physical coffee freshness, which is related to coffee degassing, and second is the chemical coffee freshness, which is related to aroma degradation and oxidation. Um, of course, in the end, I would like to kind of link physical coffee freshness, chemical coffee freshness and sensory and conclude the talk. So, to start to ask the first question, what is coffee freshness? So, today I'm talking only about roasted coffee freshness. So, why is this so? So, we can look at the the process when we go from a green coffee bean to a cup of coffee. Uh, We can look at this process and, and decide, okay, where does the strongest change in the material happen? So, the strongest change happens during the roasting process. So this is the stage where the step, where aroma is generated, where the bean structure changes drastically, and uh, this is also when, where the bean becomes uns- a lot more unstable. So we lose the stability, we change the structure, we form the aroma. So when I talk about freshness, today I'm talking about roasted coffee freshness. So there's a, a lot of things happening actually during roasting. We, like I said, we produce aroma, but not only aroma. We produce a lot, uh, we drive off moisture of the bean. We produce carbon dioxide, and this all is trapped within the bean after roasting. So during storage, these uh, molecules are slowly released from the whole beans, and if we grind the coffee, they're released much more faster. We'll t- take a look a bit. To this process a bit uh, a bit in detail later but other uh, reasoning why coffee freshness I'm talking about from uh, roasted coffee freshness is the time scale that this happens so if we look at the freshness of different uh, coffee at different steps we can say that green coffee for so this is you can argue about this but let's say that the green coffee is good for, for a year when we talk about roasted whole beans we are talking about weeks to months of freshness. We're talking about ground coffee. We're talking about the time scale of, from a few minutes to, to months. And then for the brew, we're talking about minutes. Of course, this time scale that I'm giving here, there's a large span because, of course, it depends from application to application and how strict we are with our freshness. So as we see with time, coffee is an is unstable product and will change. So, it will lose its freshness. So, what are, what are then the actual drivers? Why the coffee loses freshness? We have some parameters here, the most important parameters, which are the drivers that uh, cause the coffee to lose freshness. So, like temperature, time, space, oxygen, humidity, and light. So, let's a, take a look at the four most important these uh, parameters that uh, cause the coffee to lose freshness. So... The first is the oxygen, so as probably you know, oxygen uh, produces staling reactions with, uh, with the coffee, uh, basically with any kind of food, and these reactions produce unpleasant tasting compounds. So, mainly the problem is that it reacts with coffee oil, and this produces unpleasant tasting compounds oxid- uh, that cause the coffee to become rancid, so to have a rancid aroma. So we want to avoid this because even if we have a very small amount of the rancid aroma in our coffee beans, it already is reflected to have an unpleasant taste. (coughs) The next parameter is space. So this is a concept where we uh, are talking about free space where aroma can be lost from the coffee bean. So imagine if we have a perfectly hermetically sealed small package and we have inside coffee beans, the aroma cannot escape from this. But if we have an open coffee bag, the aroma releasing from the beans will go out in the air and diffuse diffuse out, and then we will lose this aroma. So the more space we give to aroma, the more uh, loss of aroma from coffee beans we'll have. And the more aroma loss we have from the beans, the more freshness we're losing from the coffee. Then is the temperature. So temperature is the main driver of all these uh, reactions that cause uh, loss of coffee freshness. Basically, with temperature, if we were able to cool down the beans to a very, very low temperature, to absolute zero, we would stop all the, all the reactions, all the chemical reactions, all the physical changes, and we would preserve the freshness of a, of a coffee bean indefinitely. But of course, this is not practical to do. It's very hard to do so. So we always have a constant aging of the coffee bean, regardless of all the storage conditions. Uh, any kind of storage conditions will cause the coffee to age uh, to a certain extent. So if we talk about temperature, it's a driver of the reactions because it causes the molecules, the atoms, to move around and this causes reactions to happen and then we're losing freshness with these reactions. Then, of course, time. This is fairly obvious. So the longer (laughs) we're waiting, uh, the more freshness we're losing. So the perfect freshness is at time zero. This is our definition of freshness. So, just after roasting, uh, in this case. So, if we want to uh, have a scientific approach to coffee freshness, we want to have some kind of um, uh, way to measure it. So, we should be able to measure it um, as objectively as possible. And we were doing studies uh, on this field and trying to evaluate how can we measure freshness.
0: Samo is showing a video of espresso coffee pouring out of a group head into a transparent espresso cup. We see swirls of brown and black in the espresso cup and a layer of thick crema forming on top.
1: So when we ask this, we can take a look uh, to decide if this coffee fresh or not. So those of you who are familiar with espresso extraction, you probably recognize that the very thick crema flowing out from the spout of the uh, here and the, a lot of crema in the, in the cup this is a sign that the coffee is fresh, right? So, okay, we can say this was a fresh coffee, but just based on this kind of uh, observation, we're not able to quantify how fresh this coffee was. So my goal as a scientist is to try to explore coffee and try to come up with a way to quantify, to say how fresh a coffee is, to find measures to measure coffee freshness.
0: Samo now has a photo of aged, stale, roasted coffee beans. With oil visible on the outside of the beans,
1: coffee freshness—it's not only uh, cannot, might not be only perceived as perfectly fresh coffee. But for me, as a scientist, this kind of ugly-looking rancid coffee—it's also related to freshness. It's coffee that lost all the freshness. So this is also useful for me. I can look at it from a from other perspective. Coffee that is completely not fresh can be also something to to start. Um, our measurements with or to end our measurements with but start the explanation how this freshness behaved from the point of the most fresh coffee to this point where it's completely stale and uh, has no freshness left at all. So like I said, uh, I'm going to talk about two types of freshness. So there's uh, different reasons why we want to divide freshness into two parts. So one is is, uh, the way how we measure these two freshness and the second is Uh, what kind of impact these types of freshness have. So when I talk about chemical freshness, I'm talking about coffee aroma, because coffee aroma are basically chemicals that are present in the coffee beans. So the loss of chemical freshness means loss of aroma, oxidation of aroma, or the change of aroma. So in this case, we want to measure how much of these different aroma compounds are in the coffee bean and try to evaluate then the chemical freshness from it. On the other hand... Physical freshness is what uh, we relate with degassing of coffee. We say physical, although carbon dioxide, which is uh, the driver of the degassing, is by itself a chemical, but physical because it impacts the physical properties of coffee. For example, um, we have coffee that we pack, and uh, we have degassing, the coffee bag will inflate, so it's... uh, the the impact of this freshness is in the physical world, not in the chemical world. All right. So let's start first with, the, with what was on the right side, the physical freshness, or we can also call it degassing. So what is degassing for you that, that you don't know? Um, when we roast coffee, we produce a, a lot of aroma compounds, but with these aroma compounds, we produce also a lot of carbon dioxide. The carbon dioxide is trapped in the coffee beans after roasting, remains in in these coffee beans, and it's slowly released during storage.
0: Samo has two degassing graphs up on the screen. Both show that CO2 is slowly released from roasted coffee, both after roasting and after grinding. The coffee's roast level also affects the rate of degassing.
1: So we can have here an example of a degassing uh, curve. So how coffee is losing CO2 with storage. So here we have degassing time, these are hours, this is about one month in total, and here we have specific mass loss in uh, grams per kilogram of uh, of mass. So 10 would be 1%. So as you can see, this is a case of our dark coffee, dark roasted coffee, we lost about 1% of mass of coffee during storage of one month. So there was a lot of gas trapped in this coffee, which was gradually released uh, during storage. On the other hand, when we grind coffee, we increase the surface area of the particles a lot and we uh, release the CO2 much faster. So we have shorter degassing times, but also we lose uh, we release much less of the CO2. Uh, to be able to understand how how coffee is able to trap so much of uh, gas inside its uh, its in the, inside its coffee inside its uh, structure, so in one coffee bean Um, Let us take a look at this uh, video. This is uh, a computer tomography 3D model of a coffee bean. So it's kind of like the medical computer tomography, just on a much smaller scale. And we are looking at the coffee bean and we want to see its structure.
0: Samo is showing a video of a magnified coffee bean. As it slowly rotates, we see many tiny holes on the surface. And then we see a coffee bean cut in half with a clear view of the coffee's internal structure. It's similar to the texture of a honeycomb.
1: And as you can see here, the, bean, the roasted bean is not solid. So the bean has very high porosity, about 50% or more of the bean volume. is uh, basically not solid, it's empty space or basically filled with air, with gas. So after roasting, the CO2 remains trapped in all those small pores and it remains trapped under pressure. And, that, and, and it's so much of this gas, that as we saw in the previous uh, slide, uh, we had about 1% of coffee weight as gas after roasting. So we can take a look at this to also in another way, to just look at thin slices of this, of this coffee bean.
0: Samo is showing different slices of coffee beans and their internal structures. The green bean has a very dense structure with a scattering of small pinholes. But once the coffee is roasted, the holes expand so that the coffee's texture resembles honeycomb.
1: We see uh, one slice of a green bean, as you can see here. The structure is solid. We don't have any space where we can trap gas in the coffee bean. Then once we come to a light coffee roast, uh, after the first crack, this is just after the first crack, we see that this porous structure forms and remains porous until a very dark uh, roast. So this structure enables gas to be trapped in the bean structure. With this, not only CO2, it's also the aroma that remains trapped in here. And uh, there's a lot of volume that uh, is able to, be, to trap gas there. That's why we have uh, really a lot of CO2 present after roasting. Uh, the, the size of these pores is about 50 micrometers. This is about uh, the width of a human hair. So they're pretty small. So, just to explain how this actually works, uh, how, how this CO2 is released from coffee, because, uh, sorry, if I just go back, if you see this structure, it kind of looks like there's uh, it's all in here, and that the CO2 would need to go from the inside of the bean out through many pores, so there has to be a mechanism when the whole beans are stored that the CO2 uh, is released out from the coffee bean. Uh, so, how does this work? So, we have two... Uh, fundamentally different mechanisms of this release uh, that cause the degassing of coffee bean. So we can have CO2 trapped in these pores as gas.
0: Samo has zoomed into one of the pores that look like a honeycomb.
1: So this is one of the image of electron electron microscope image of one of those pores. So CO2 can be trapped here as gas. And if we have a Uh, a crack here for example or this pore is open the CO2 can flow out as hydrodynamic flow so this is basically as uh, a stream of gas so in a physical world uh, so this is driven by pressure so if you have high pressure inside the beam and low pressure outside then the pressure will drive the gas outside so this is a fast process and it's a physical process But we don't have only physical processes going on here. We also have what we call physical chemical processes. And this is called diffusion. So, this individual CO2 molecules or also aroma molecules will be in here or stuck on the surface of the material, trapped inside the surface of the solid material or dissolved in coffee oil that is here on the surfaces. And the the molecules will, after roasting, slowly diffuse from inside of the bean to outside. So there's different modes of this diffusion. Uh, I won't go into details here, but basically what is important is that if we have diffusion, which is a physical chemical process, the pressure that is outside won't impact how fast the, uh, the molecules are moving outside. So the, if we have high air pressure outside, the diffusion of individual aroma molecules will not be impacted uh, uh, by this pressure outside they will just look at the, this parameter which i introduced um uh, earlier this is the empty space so the aroma molecules will go out until the individual aroma molecules fill the empty space around uh, the coffee uh, beans so is it if it's a bag that will they will move from the bean until they're filled the the space in the coffee bag and once they're in in what we call equilibrium between the gas phase and the what is trapped inside the material, they will stop uh, stop diffusing. So if we want to take a look at how then this degassing uh, process is uh, impacted by how we roast coffee. So this is quite interesting because as we saw earlier, the structure of the, or the size of these pores does not really change for when we go from a light roast to a dark roast, but uh, if we measure degassing, so how much of the beans is, uh, how much of the gas is trapped in the beans, or and how fast it's released?
0: SAML has a few graphs on screen that show the rates of degassing for light roasted, medium roasted, and dark roasted coffee. The graphs also show the speed of roasting and how that translates to different rates of degassing. For example, fast roasted dark roast coffees degas more quickly than slow roasted dark roasted coffee.
1: We see in these curves that we have, a, if we have a dark roast, we have about one percent of the coffee uh, weight as gas after ro- after roasting, and if we roast uh, with a slow profile, medium profile, or fast profile, we have more gradually more and more gas trapped in the coffee. So how do we explain this? So this is a very simple explanation: if we roast slow, we produce during roasting uh, more CO2, but because we're roast um, longer there's also more CO2 that is already uh, escaped from the coffee bean during roasting because of really high temperature of the roasting Uh, the CO2 can escape during roasting Uh, but then again if we roast fast uh, the pores will be able to uh, retain more CO2 because during roasting we maybe created less because we roasted faster but then everything happened much more faster, so more is retained in the bean. So that's why we also see here that a slow roast has much uh, less gas than, the, than a fast roast. And then there's another explanation why a slow roast dig as slower than a fast roast, because as you see in a time like about uh, 100 hours, which is about four days, nearly double the amount of gas is released from a fast roast than from a slow roast. Uh, this is because if we roast faster, the processes that occur in the bean damage the bean structure more and it becomes more porous. So the gas and uh, consequently also the aroma from the beans is able to escape faster from a fast roasted uh, coffee bean compared to a slow roasted coffee bean, which re- remains more dense in its structure. If we c- see what, uh, what kind of impact the roast level has, so if we roast to a medium roast, uh, roast level or to a light roast level, you see that we have uh, the strongest effects on the amount of the gas tr- that is trapped in the coffee bean. So this is uh, explainable by the fact that if we roast longer, we produce much more CO2, which remained in the bean. But if we roast shorter amount of time, then less CO2 was produced in the bean. So uh, to summarize, these values are quite interesting. Uh, we have up to 1% of coffee mass as gas after roasting in dark roasted bean, but only up to 0.2 to 0.3% in light roasted beans. So this would be like a light filter roast, and this would be a dark uh, Italian espresso roast uh, roast style. Uh, So the next next question is okay. Now we see uh, we have this degassing occurring from whole beans, but what happens if we um, grind coffee? So when we grind coffee, uh, we damage a lot of the structure, uh, of this uh, porous structure of the bean. So because of this damage, while we grind coffee, we lose a lot of CO2.
0: Samuel's graph shows the rates of degassing for two types of roasted coffee, whole beans and ground beans.
1: So here in this graph, I have comparison of uh, remaining gas in the in the whole beans, so compared to completely non-fresh coffee. So I'm starting with 10 uh, 10 grams per uh, kilogram or 10 milligrams per gram of of gas in the the coffee. So this is gradually released. Uh, And here I have a comparable measurement for ground coffee. So for ground coffee, we see that we start with much less compared to the uh, whole beans. Why is this so? So once we ground coffee, we damaged a lot of um, these pores by the grinding process. We opened a lot of pores because we have small particles. So a lot of gas that was present in the pores was immediately during grinding released in the environment. And then what is remaining here is just the gas that that remained inside each particle, inside the pores of the particles. And this is much less than in the whole beans. So we have... Much less uh, gas uh, being released from ground coffee than from whole beans. So what we did here is this was both done from freshly roasted, um, from freshly roasted coffee, but this is not what we would do practically. So practically, we would grind whole beans, and then we would sorry we would roast the beans, and then we would store the whole beans for a certain amount of time, and then grind them at a later stage, stage in time.
0: From this point onward, SAML's slides get too technical to describe.
1: So we did this kind of experiment for two roast levels, for a dark roast degree and a light roast degree. And we have a a degassing uh, profile for whole beans. And then we compare this to what happens if we have whole beans and we grind them fresh. We have whole beans, we grind them after a week, we grind them after two weeks, after... Uh, four weeks and after six weeks. What we see is that what ends up in the ground coffee after grinding is also gradually uh, going down and down compared to whole beans. But at some point we get to a point where we're actually still getting some gas out from the coffee. Although we, if we would compare to the whole beans we would think okay we, we fully degas the coffee. But actually by the fact that we're opening these pores and uh, damaging the structure during grinding, we're able to liberate some more gas from the coffee bean. Uh, we still can get some gas out from the ground coffee, uh, although we kind of thought that from whole beans we fully degassed our coffee. And uh, comparing dark roast level or a light roast level, this effect is pretty similar, as you see here. The both both curves uh, from both sides. The curves look comparable, and this has a um, this has an effect that if we observe uh, espresso extraction and we have espresso coffee roasted to uh, to different um, to, to the same. So we have the same coffee that was stored for uh, a year. That was stored for two months for 10 days and a fresh roast. So it was the same coffee, same roast profile, just of different age. And uh, we did the extraction and we set up the extraction so that we got the same uh, brew ratio, the same beverage volume and the same extraction time. So we had to adjust the grind size a bit to achieve this. And I'll show you now how these extractions look like.
0: Samuel has a video of four espresso coffees being simultaneously extracted into clear glass cups. The difference between the extractions is the age of the roasted coffee. There's a fresh roast at 10 days old, two months old, and one year past roast. The oldest coffee produces the palest, thinnest crema.
1: So as you can see, they will start simultaneously and they will end simultaneously. And uh, notice the difference between the flow going out from a fresh roast, from a 10 days old coffee, two months old coffee, and one year old coffee. So as you can see it's clearly visible that the amount of gas that is in the coffee uh, is related to the to the thickness of the flow going out to the amount of crema that is produced and although we would say that after 2 months the coffee was uh, the whole beans were fully degassed like we saw in the previous slide there's still some gas remaining in the in the in the beans that we liberate when we grind the coffee so there's still some crema that is formed Uh, from a coffee that was two months old and even after coffee that was stored for a year we still get some crema uh, from this coffee so I said earlier that we had to just tweak a bit um, the grind size to be able to extract these profiles that they ended up with the same brew ratio and uh, to the same beverage volume so this is what we did here so we have uh, extraction profiles, we have the extraction time and the beverage weight here and we have here just for three of those, so a fresh coffee, a two-month-old coffee, and 10 days old coffee. Uh, as you see here, we used the uh, Malconic EK43, uh, and these were the, the settings we need to use in our device, in our grinder. Uh, so we had to adjust them a bit different for each of the uh, coffees to be able to end up with approximately the same beverage weight. Um, so... Because we needed to change the grind size, you can see also that the, the amount of gas that is in the coffee not only impacts the crema formation but also the flow dynamics. So what we observed is that if we have all the coffee ground to the same uh, the same grind size, is that fresh coffee was flowing really fast through the uh, through the portafilter, and then an old coffee was also flowing faster, but then a coffee that is about 10 days old and this is like roughly saying we, in our experience for coffees about from a week old to two weeks three weeks old uh, they flow much slower so for the same grand size we got much less beverage volume so it means that the resistance caused by the gas in uh, released during the extraction uh, caused more back pressure on the espresso flow Although this is quite surprising. We did these uh, experiments quite a few times and we always got this kind of result that very fresh coffee was flowing fast. A coffee that is aged a bit flow slower, but then once it's getting really old it starts to flow again faster. Okay, so this was the first part of the story about the chemical, uh, sorry, about the physical freshness and the degassing. Now I would like to talk about the other aspect, which is more related to, to also to sensory, of course, because aroma, chemistry, and sensory are all working together. It's about chemical freshness. So we want to see um, what happens with the aroma once after the coffee is roasted. So how the aroma develops during storage. There's a lot of uh, volatile compounds that escape from coffee after roasting. There's um, about 1,000 compounds identified in coffee, and out of those, 50 compounds are important for the aroma of coffee. Here we have an example how four uh, coffee aroma compounds develop after roasting, and I'm plotting them relative to one another. So we start with 100% from the fresh coffee, and then we... Look at what percentage compared to fresh coffee remains after a certain time. So, if we look after one month, some of the some of the compounds like this one, metantio, ends up at less than ten percent of what we had in the fresh coffee. But also others, they behave very differently. And this is means that the relative composition of the coffee changes with time. So it means that also the aroma will. Uh, not be the same for a fresh coffee compared to, uh, to an older coffee. And indeed, these, uh, these compounds they have very different uh, smells. So, matentaiol can be sulfury or uh, this, so, a uh, sharp sulfury aroma. Bouton is a very buttery aroma. Propanol has a flowery uh, aroma in the low concentrations. And methypyrazine has an earthy or a nutty aroma. So these are very, very different aroma characteristics and they behave very differently with time. So it means that the coffee that is fresh might have completely different characteristics than a coffee that is a bit, uh, a bit aged. And actually nothing was formed during um, this storage of coffee. Just different aromas were lost, were lost at a different rate uh, during storage. And... Um, how this relates to freshness and to measurements of freshness is because we have these compounds that are behaving very differently in the, in the coffee, we can use them as markers of freshness. Like I said, there's very little um, compounds that are, or nearly no compounds that are formed, but still some of them are formed during storage because they're oxidation products or degradation products of, of uh, molecules. So... So this one I mentioned before, metanthiol, it's a very labile molecule. It's oxidized very quickly and released from coffee very quickly. And it forms this one, dimethyl disulfate, in the coffee. So we expect that this one will decrease in concentration rapidly. And this one will increase in concentration during storage. And indeed, this is the case if we measure the amounts of these molecules in coffee with time we see that this one, the tile, will decrease with time and this one will increase because it's formed from the degradation of this one. And this is actually very useful for me as a scientist. I have a molecule which is decreasing with time, a molecule which is increasing. I make a ratio of the the one that is increasing and I divide it by the, the other one that is decreasing. And this ratio, what we call a freshness index, helped me evaluate how fresh the coffee is or how the freshness of the coffee is changing with time. And also, in other words, it helps me to say how much of the aroma was lost during time or how fast was lost. And uh, this tool then helps to, to do all sorts of experiments uh, to, uh, related to coffee freshness, to packaging, as we'll see in a, uh, in a few slides. So we did some experiments to to check how uh, these freshness indexes can be applied, and one, for example, is the impact of temperature. So I'm plotting this uh, this um, ratio that was measured from a coffee that was stored in uh, in bags with laminated with uh, thick aluminium, where we don't expect any oxygen um, going in the bag uh, during storage. So it should be. As little oxidation as possible in this bag, and we're plotting this freshness index. Uh, these are four roast batches and four sets of co- of uh, bags, which were measured each point. So fresh coffee stored after one week storage, after two week storage, after three week storage, and after four weeks at room temperature. And then the same experiment for a coffee that was stored at fifty degrees Celsius. So as you can see here, that we have, in both cases, a gradual increase in this freshness index, so we're having less and less fresh coffee, so higher value of index means less freshness. But take a look at these values. So here we have around 5, the ratio, and here we have around 0.05. 5. So an increase in temperature of 25 degrees Celsius has caused a loss of freshness by 100-fold. So this is a massive difference, in, uh, and as you can see, the temperature has a really strong impact how uh, freshness is lost. Of course, we're here looking at the most labile coffee aromas, or most labile compounds, so they're most sensitive to freshness loss. but nevertheless, this, this shows us that temperature is something we have to be careful with if we want to keep the coffee fresh. Um, the other thing is, it's uh, of course, what we can look at is the... Um, atmosphere in in the coffee bag so we used uh, we wanted to compare how how the oxygen that is present in the coffee bag compared to coffee bags which are flushed with nitrogen how this would impact freshness so we did this stu- again a study with the freshness, using freshness indexes of these two compounds and uh, you can see here we looked at three different temperatures four degrees celsius 15 degrees celsius and 30 degrees celsius And we had coffee bags which were flushed with nitrogen, with 0% oxygen. And then we had coffee bags which we enriched with oxygen so that the oxygen concentration was 50%, just to be able to see the oxidation reactions much faster in a shorter time. And as you can see here, at low temperatures, the the atmosphere in the coffee bag did not have an impact on the freshness. Also at 15 degrees, this is just below uh, room temperature, We don't see really um, a strong impact of the atmosphere in the coffee bag, but if we have a bit higher temperature, 30 degrees Celsius, then we start to see a really strong impact of the oxidation. So it seems that at, at lower temperatures, the oxidation is not as important as when we go to a bit higher temperatures, where the temperature is driving these reactions much faster, and then oxidation starts to play a major role in the loss of coffee freshness. Okay, then also next step, what we can do when we start to talk about oxidation, oxygen percentage, of course, we can then also use this kind of method of measuring freshness index to compare different packaging material. So here we compared a coffee that was stored as whole beans in different coffee bags. So it was a paper coffee bag, simple paper, a plastic composite film, Plastic composite filled with a thin aluminum layer, just vapor deposit, and a thick aluminum layer. So what we expect here that these two are very porous. So basically the oxygen from outside readily diffused in the package was easy to go in and we lost freshness during storage. So the higher index means that we lost more um, freshness. Then other two cases, when you have a thin aluminum layer Uh, It's not completely tight, so some oxygen was able to go into the packages. We had a bit of increase of the freshness index, but when we have a uh, thick aluminum layer, we don't see any oxidation occurring. This is a bit of a different freshness index that we used uh, before. Uh, This one is more sensitive to oxidation reactions. So here we were looking at oxidation, and here we didn't see any oxidation when we have a package that is uh, packed with aluminum layer. Um, then, of course, we can go next step. When, we, when I was talking here about freshness and storage, I was always talking about what is called primary shelf life. So we have packages which are stored, and once we do measurements, we say, okay, after two weeks of storage, we open the package, we take the coffee out, we measure the aroma in the coffee, and we have the results, and then we discard the last of the coffee. But also what is important is the consumer behavior or the secondary shelf life so what happens after a package is opened for the first time and what is happens in with the coffee after this point so this uh this method of uh, measuring freshness is also suitable to study this kind of um this kind of uh, so let's say consumer behavior or secondary shelf life studies uh, what we see here is we have uh measured freshness indexes on a a series of uh, samples. So here we have a reference. This is the primary shelf life. So this is a coffee that was stored uh, in a coffee bag which was closed until we opened it and then we used the coffee and then we didn't use this bag anymore. So it's the same index as before. We're trying to look at the oxidation of the coffee and with primary shelf life, we don't have any increase. So, okay, our coffee was stable, um, stable in these coffee bags, but what we wanted to see next is what happens if we open the coffee bag, we take some beans to measure, and then we close the coffee bags. And then we t- use the uh, different types, different approaches to uh, how to close the coffee bag. So, first was to transfer all the beans in a can, and then for each step here, take beans from the can and then close them back. Close the can again. We use scotch tape to close the back. Uh, we use a clip to close the back. And the, actually the study was to, um, to try to evaluate how this kind of new, new packaging system would, would behave compared to, to these three approaches. And what we saw here is that transferring bean into a can has the worst results. So we have the most oxidation. This is obvious because even if the beans are packaged in an inert atmosphere in the package, we take them all out, we mix everything with air, we have a lot of oxygen in the can. Uh, We open a big part of the can, so each time we open, we add more oxygen in, so we have a lot of oxidation. Then the the tape was quite similar to the can. Uh, Of course, uh, closing a a coffee bag with tape is not really tight, so we had oxygen always slowly going in, and also if we cut the bag all the way, we, we open it, take it out, and so we always add oxygen. So clip, is actually much better than tape because clip closes, we can always close down um, where the beans are, so every time we close, we push out as much oxygen as possible, and then even if we, uh, while we've taken out the beans, if we introduce some oxygen, we can always close the back as tight as possible, so we don't have a lot of oxygen in, so it's was performing quite well. And then this packaging was performing the best. The reason is because the opening is very small. So each time we are taking out the beans, we didn't introduce a lot of air in. So what we take home from this is when we have a bag open and we want to reclose it, try to introduce as little oxygen as possible or have a smallest possible opening uh, of the the bag so that we don't... uh, we don't introduce oxygen uh, to the coffee beans to to avoid oxidation. So we can uh, then do a bit of science on this about uh, data sets to try to link uh, chemical and physical freshness. Um, So we can take a look at, for example, how different molecules uh, behave and how long does it take that they are released from the coffee. So the, we, we can measure characteristic time constants. And uh, we see that if we compare a fast roast to a slow roast, what you see here is that for the CO2, we have character- different characteristic times. This is from this slide I showed earlier, that a fast roast releases CO2 much faster than a slow roast. But... Uh, uh, it's very interesting that we, when we compare aroma compounds, they're not uh, really much different between a fast roast and a slow roast. This is uh, we explained and uh, go back to the slide when I was talking about different mechanisms of uh, release. So, because the CO2 is impacted by the by the pressures and um, it's more a hydro, hydrodynamic release, a physical release, we have a higher pressure. F- Uh, after a fast roast inside the beans than a slow roast, so it's pushed out faster, whereas aroma molecules follow different rules. They follow the diffusion, and this is not really impacted by the pressure inside the bean after roasting. Therefore, there won't be a difference between a fast roast and a slow roast. Although we might have produced more of this compound at a fast roast, uh, the the time, how fast it's released, it's not really impacted. Um, there's also one thing that uh, I want to talk about is I already said uh, talked about temperature a bit, so we have um, effect of temperature on the aroma oxidation, the aroma degradation, but also the degassing is something that where temperature is impacted, uh, impacting our degassing rates. So what we did an experiment just to try to uh, demo to see how much the temperature impacts degassing. We uh, degassed beans at 35 degrees Celsius. It's about a bit higher than room temperature. And um, that was this, this curve from freshly roasted coffee. Then in parallel, we put beans into a freezer and stored them into, in the freezer. And then after this measurement was finished here, after 70 days, we put, took, t- took the beans out from the freezer and then measured degassing from these beans. And this is this one, the blue line. So what you see here is that already from the start, we start to get a bit less um, gas out from the coffee. So although the beans were stored in the freezer, uh, we still get less uh, gas out. So there was some uh, degassing occurring in the freezer. And actually, if we compare those two, we can uh, evaluate that what happened in 70 days in a freezer, it's uh, comparable to what happens two days at 35 degrees Celsius. And by knowing a bit of uh, chemistry around and the, the physical chemistry processes that, uh, that are happening here, uh, we can uh, evaluate how, what the temperature impact is. It's actually these kind of reactions follow what is called an Arrhenius equation. It's this kind of equation, this Arrhenius law. And this is the, the it, this is relating the temperature to the rate of which uh, chemical reactions occur. And once we put these numbers in here, we have uh, two different temperatures, two different uh, uh, times. And what we can calculate is that every 10 degrees Celsius, we increase the degassing by 1.8 times. So to put this into more numbers that are a bit easier understandable, we can uh, say, okay, we have an ambient temperature, room temperature, and a freezer temperature of uh, 25 degrees and 18 degrees. We had a bit of colder freezer here, and this is a domestic freezer. So we calculate this, and we find that we, uh, by doing putting coffee in the freezer, we decrease the degassing rate by 12.5 times. So what does this mean practically? Practically, if we say our optimal freshness is one to four weeks, if we put coffee in the freezer, uh, if we look at the degassing, the optimal freshness is three months to one year. Of course, we're making a tiny bit of assumptions. We're assuming that um, this Arrhenius equation, that this coefficient, is the same for aroma molecules as for CO2 and that they will behave the same, which is not necessarily the case. But just by looking at this uh, physical freshness, we can say that we do roughly this this extension of the coffee uh, freshness by uh, putting coffee in the freezer. And in the end, there's also another thing which uh, is important. Of course, um, all this doesn't make any sense if we don't look at the sensory impact, right? We all This is, in the end, what is uh important the most. So how much is the impact of uh, loss of freshness to the sensory? This is actually much harder to do than all these measurements we did before because once we have instruments, they're very reliable. We can get very reproducible results, but... Once we have uh, to do sensory studies, it's much harder to do so, and our data are much more noisy. But nevertheless, uh, this is just one example uh, of a study of how cupping score is uh, decreased by coffee storage, and uh, you can see that in this case uh, there was for three different, uh, two different coffees, uh, one from Brazil and one for Rwanda. Uh, we could see a decrease in the cupping score uh, with time after uh, days after roast uh, but from one coffee from Colombia the result was for example not that clear so this is just to, to, to show you that um, as a scientist I tried to make uh, instrumental measurements to have reproducible results but in the end this is what matters but be honest, this is really hard to measure compared to scientific uh, experiments because it's really hard to get really good reliable data. So, to conclude this talk, um, what uh, what are my take-home messages from, from what I learned uh, while studying c- coffee freshness? So, we can objectively quantify freshness in coffee by measuring degassing or by measuring aroma and using freshness indexes, this is important. And uh, why coffee is uh, losing freshness with time is because it has an excess of gas trapped in the bean after roasting and um, this highly porous structure of coffee is causing this gas to release as well as the aroma is released through the porous structure. So coffee after roasting is a very unstable material. So, roast profile strongly impacts how fast uh, we are losing uh, gas from the coffee when we talk about degassing. And then, overall, freshness is strongly impacted by temperature. This is very important. Like I showed earlier, just an increase of uh, 25 degrees Celsius um, increase the freshness uh, loss by 100 fold. So, it means uh, having coffee stored for a very short time in high temperatures can promote a lot of loss of freshness. And also the oxidation reactions, they are also much faster once we have higher temperatures. And the studies that we uh, did by this uh, after we developed these tools uh, helped us to understand packaging, staleness of coffee, how it affects uh, coffee extraction, coffee of different freshness, and the formation of crema. In the end, just before I... Uh, finish with the talk, I would like to uh, say a bit more about where I come from. I come from working su- uh, work in Switzerland at the Zurich University of Applied Sciences in the group of uh, Professor Jerezian. He just came in there in a red jacket. <laughs> and um, we do research on coffee. Uh, we're focusing on five what we call pillars of coffee. So uh, each of the associates working there is focusing on on uh, one of the pillars so sebastian he's involved in uh, origin projects green coffee uh, but so more botanics of coffee biology i'm at this transformation of coffee so we're talking about roasting packaging grinding then marco he's an expert in in extraction uh, water impact of water to extraction um, and uh, anya she's an aroma scientist she's an expert in um, Aroma formation, so formation of uh, uh, good uh, smelling compost, but then also what we call process contaminants, so uh, furan acrylamides, so studying these kind of things, so not only the good parts, also sometimes the bad parts. And we also have some coffee courses, and Sabine is taking care of this uh, continuing education on coffee. Uh, With this, I would like to thank you for your attention, and uh, I'm open for any kind of questions. Yes.
0: An audience member is asking how financially accessible are the instruments you need to conduct these experiments?
1: Um, this is uh, what is called... We use a gas chromatograph, mass spectrometer, to do these measurements. Um, the cost of the instrument is about 100,000, I would say, in this range. So to, it's fairly inaccessible to a small roster, but um, could be accessible if you're partnered partner with a university that has this kind of equipment.
0: An audience member is asking... What would be the impact of putting an antioxidant in a bag of roasted coffee?
1: We're actually working with another group at our university who is a packaging uh, group. So they're packaging experts. And what they do is they have uh, oxygen scavengers in the packaging. So they put a a piece like this on the inside of the packaging, which is um, a catalyst which uh, reduces the oxygen uh, in the packaging. And then yeah, basically they can... Uh, lower the amount of oxygen in the packaging uh, during storage. So this, um, actually we study more different uh, kinds of foods, not really coffee, but we see a strong impact in those foods that uh, uh, having an antioxidant, so to say, in the packaging to reduce further the oxygen content, even if we flush the uh, packaging with nitrogen, has an impact to to help preserve uh, freshness.
0: An audience member is saying that they read that you shouldn't put coffee in the freezer because of humidity.
1: Yes. Oh, there's there's one thing I didn't mention. So what you have to be very careful because there's also one parameter, which is humidity, that might uh, interfere with, uh, with uh, freshness. So what you have to be careful if you put coffee in the freezer is that uh, once you take the coffee out, you should not open the bag until it's at room temperature. Because if you open the bag before the uh, the environment, the ambient humidity, the water will condense on the coffee, and then it will get wet, and then you will do uh, worse than you saved uh, by storing in the freezer. But overall, just uh, storing in the freezer is not a problem. We do we did many experiments, and we try to see if there's an impact effect that putting coffee in the freezer and out, uh, and we couldn't see any effects.
0: The same audience member is asking how long the coffee should stay at room temperature before opening it after freezing.
1: Um, actually, it's uh, more than you think because the coffee beans are very voluminous. They don't have a lot of uh, heat uh, heat conductivity. So even if the package outside already feels to room temperature, the coffee inside still might be cold and will condense. So I would say I recommend at least one hour to wait before taking out from the freezer uh, for a packaging of two hundred grams. So kilogram packaging to be on the safe side, maybe uh, so two pounds packaging, uh, two hours. Let's say in this range.
0: An audience member is asking, how cold does roasted coffee have to be stored to stop the staling process?
1: Yes, this is uh, that was I was saying. This is kind of a surprising result we got. Um, so we are still looking into this uh, to really reproduce these results. These are quite preliminary results that I showed. Uh, But this is what we observed, that up to a certain temperature we didn't see staling uh, effects. We just saw the regular loss of aroma through diffusive processes, uh, but no staling effects. So there was no impact of oxygen.
0: The same audience member is asking whether that would mean it's okay to put coffee in an oxygen-rich environment, such as a container, and then freezing it.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes, because the, the chemical reactions, they would stop at certain temperatures. So when you go to... Minus fifty Celsius, you really stop all the chemical reactions. And uh, freezer minus twenty Celsius, uh, you're stopping by far the by far nearly all chemical reactions. So, yes.
0: an audience member is asking whether it's possible to freeze coffee, take out only the beans you need, and then put the rest in the freezer. They are wondering what effect this will have on the coffee's freshness and flavor.
1: Yeah, if you're transferring too much, I'm not sure how much. Uh, because coffee is uh, hydroscopic, so it will also take up moisture from the, the, the room where you're handling the coffee, so transferring to container in and out. It's, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't say for sure, yes. Because you don't know if you're, if you're opening in the freezer, and you open the freezer, you're getting uh, warm air from, from outside, and you still might get uh, then condensation or freezing on the surface of the beans and uh, it's getting too complicated. You, it's possible to test all these kind of practices uh, of handling, but right now I can't say how, what the impact would be.
0: A member of the audience is referring back to the thin and thick aluminum layers for coffee packaging that Samuel spoke about when discussing what types of packaging prolong roasted coffee's freshness. She's asking whether the thin aluminum layer is made of metallized plastics and what type of packaging uses the thick aluminum layer. I'm
1: not sure what the thickness of this layer is, but it's a vapor deposit, metalized plastic, yes. But this is not consistently deposited, so there's still places where where can diffuse, uh, the uh, oxygen can diffuse through. That's the thin, yeah. on the... That's the thin yes. And the thick is actual metal sheet that is laminated between plastics, yes.
0: A member of the audience is asking if light affects coffee freshness and aroma.
1: The light can also cause some degradation of aroma, uh, but... To be honest, I don't know so much. uh, I don't have so much experience. How much is it in case of coffee? Uh, Probably, uh, what would be critical in terms of light if you have like a um, a hopper of the grinder and you have oil on the surface of the hopper and it's transparent, and then you promote a lot more the oxidation of this oil uh, by having light. But overall, inside the bean, the light uh, shouldn't have a big impact because the bean is absorbing the light, so. Uh, maybe it causes only some effects on the surface, but definitely not uh, within the bean. So if it's, probably it makes a big difference if the beans are oily or if they're really dry with light. But uh, we haven't done any studies yet, so that's just my hypothesis.
0: A member of the audience is asking whether the heat applied to the coffee beans during grinding affects the amount of CO2 that eventually turns into crema when brewing espresso. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so this, uh, the loss during grinding, you know, that I, I had on one slide that you had so much gas lost during grinding. This is not because of heat. This is because when you grind, you, you open this, these pores and the gas is just lost. Uh, but really, the heat, how much impacts, I'm, I'm not sure really. But I can imagine that if a coffee comes out uh, of the grinder very hot compared to when it comes out colder, that what is lost from grinding to until the coffee is in the portafilter and being extracted, if you do espresso, can have a difference. Because uh, we just had some students uh, a few weeks ago, and I wanted to show these experiments, and they were a bit clumsy by doing espresso extraction, and then I had a really fresh coffee, and a coffee that was uh, one, uh, one week old, and they, was like, they were like, oh, it's not really such a big difference, and I was a bit surprised, but then I saw that they were actually taking too long before they extracted the coffee. So already from grinding to the ex- espresso extraction, a lot of gas was lost. So they didn't see really this difference. And then I did the really fresh coffee, directly grinder, tamping, extraction, and then suddenly there was double the amount of crema as when they did it, where they took maybe five minutes until they were doing the extraction, because they didn't know how to handle that, uh, the espresso extraction that well. So it could be as yes, that within this time from grinding to extraction that you have some differences. OK, then thank you again so much for coming.
0: That was Samuel Simerk at Specialty Coffee Expo in April 2019. Remember to check out our show notes for a full transcript of this lecture and a link to coffeexpo.org for more information about this year's event. This has been an episode of the SCA podcast lecture series brought to you by the members of the Specialty Coffee Association and supported by SAP's Soft and Gin Coffee One. Thanks for listening.